This is On The Tee Golf New Zealand Podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde and Brendan Telfer. Proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. Hello again and welcome to On The Tee, our fortnightly look at the world of golf through Kiwi eyes. I'm Brendan Telfer, along with my co-host Tom Hyde. And we come to you, of course, in association with our good friends at JK's World of Golf out there at Auckland International Airport in Nixon Road. Check out their great deals that uh, JK's have at jksworldofgolf.co.nz. And also we come to you courtesy of the Akarana Golf Club. If you're looking for a round of golf at a very fine course in Auckland, check out the Akarana Golf Club in Dominion Road just 10 minutes from the airport and about the same distance from the centre of town. And their website, akaranagolf.co.nz, at the moment has some great green fee deals. Check them out if you're looking for a game of golf in the Queen City. Well, today we're going to have a look at this very ambitious merger plan that has been taking place for a few years now between two of the country's leading golf clubs, formerly the Royal Auckland Club, or Middlemore as it was known, and their adjacent neighbours, the former Grange Club. Now, both Both of these highly regarded golf clubs had hosted the New Zealand Open in their glory days. Uh, Now they've decided to come together in a new project, a 27-hole project, uh, 27 new holes actually built and designed by Nicholas Golf. Yes, Nicholas as in Jack Nicholas. And from my experience of this new course, having played the 18 holes, and with all due respect to some of these very fine resort courses that have been popping up in New Zealand over the last 25 years, uh, this new facility uh, out there at the Royal Auckland Grange Golf Club, as it's called now officially, uh, is probably the finest golfing facility in New Zealand. When you look at all of the other subsidiary factors that they've got, their practice facilities out there, the practice putting green, and just the very golf course itself is quite remarkable. Anyway, to explain more about how this project came about and uh, where it's situated now, we are joined by the CEO of the Royal Auckland Range Golf Club, uh, Warwick Hill Rennie. Warwick, a very good afternoon to you, and I thank you very much for your time. Can you tell me why, in the first place, it was deemed necessary, or what was the common factor that made both of these clubs, which were very successful clubs in their own right, want to kind of amalgamate or merge? Yeah, thanks, Brendan, for, for having me. Um, I, I think the conversation started uh, in 2013, 2014, informally. Uh, and with the Grange who were looking at um, a merger proposition initially actually was Manukau Golf Club and um, once that uh, closed out in terms of the conversation they'd been having discussions uh, with with what was Royal Auckland or the old Middlemore as, as you knew it uh, and the discussions were around um you know how could they use the land more effectively? Operating was, um, you know, as difficult in terms of uh, that membership model for them, uh, and, and and what would uh, what would happen, and what were what could they realise over both tracts of land if they joined forces? Brought the collective thinking and might of two clubs, two very great clubs together. What could they create? And, uh, and you, you saw the other day um, that vision realised in terms of a, a, a golf course that um, had 
uh, had hosted uh, the you know both had hosted numerous New Zealand Opens. Both were quite famous tracks, but both were, I think, in golfing terms, needing a, a revitalisation, uh, certainly a renovation. Uh, and um, if you looked at where golf had gone in 25 years, and particularly in New Zealand terms, you know, we'd seen Curry Cliffs and Kidnappers, uh, and, and more recently Tarahides, who have really uh, lifted the, the the standard in the, uh, of, of not just. Uh, golf course uh, maintenance, but in terms of golf course design, to, to a fantastic level, and so the, the the thought of combining these two great clubs and and, and getting a world class facility first and foremost was was something that um, held a lot of appeal, and so th- those talks um, went through 2015 um, to a more formal merger agreement, and then both clubs voted on on uh, what was an effective merger at the end of 2015. And there, there was uh, a high degree of, of engagement with both sets of members. I know the mandate was strong. I think the Grange vote was uh, something like 86% uh, of the members. Although, although Warwick, am I right in saying that when the proposal was first put to Grange, it didn't necessarily uh, meet with uh, unanimity, Right. I don't think you ever get, uh, you know, unanimous views in a, in a golf club. Um, it, uh, I guess it comes down to, um, you know, if you look at the votes, um, uh, 86 at the Grange and 88% at at Royal Auckland, the, you know, uh, the mandate was super strong to do this. Um, you know, there, there's always people who have different, different ideas about... Um, what should happen within clubs, and that's that's the very nature of clubs. Mm. That's, that's why we love them so much. Um, so, uh, a very strong mandate in that first, uh, you know, first round of voting, and then they came together with with a very good uh, understanding around, uh, you know, a, a merger agreement, uh, and uh, it, it was put to them, you know, that. This club would be future-looking, uh, and if you if you think about the facilities, certainly the clubhouse, um, you know, it's it, it's nothing like um, the traditional clubhouse that Royal Auckland had, or in fact the, the clubhouse that the Grange had. Um, and where there are elements that they've tried to preserve around the history and tradition of both clubs, you know, those things have been maintained. Mm. But it's a very very future-looking uh, both. In, It it is indeed. Um, My experience of supporting mergers, uh, having witnessed many over the years, most of them end in failure. I mean, bringing together uh, two different entities with their different histories, their different cultures. And I imagine it would be particularly difficult uh, merging two golf clubs because if you are a member of one club or the other, you invariably become attached to that golf club. You're playing it every week and suddenly to be confronted with the idea that, look, I'm sorry, we're going to dig our golf club up and we're going to join into some new concept with the guys next door uh, understandably I imagine would have been a hard sell for many people um, so uh, did you encounter any difficulties in that initial process oh, oh, oh I, I think so I mean uh, if you look at clubs golf clubs particularly you know there's, there's many subcultures I mean you know we talk about this 
daily. I mean, we, we have 60 different golfing groups here, um, you know, and so you've got this eclectic mix of people, which is great uh, in, in, in one sense because it, you know, reflects um, society. But there, there's always different viewpoints. Um, and, it, you know, it was a very... It was a very brave and courageous decision for them to go forward and do it, uh, and it's now, you know, our collective responsibility to make sure it's successful. Uh, and you, you know, it's not about uh, money; it's actually about bringing people together. And I have this underlying philosophy that golfers get golfers, um, no matter if you're a school teacher or a banker. Uh, you know, invariably, um, you know, it is about the camaraderie that mm, uh, that sure. exists. Uh, on a golf course and yeah. uh, uh, so uh, is it easy? Not at all uh, is it totally successful yet? Not yet um, do we have high hopes um, and, and optimism about the future? Absolutely Yeah. Well going back to the beginning work and not to force you to repeat what you've already said but I'm imagining myself being a member of the Grange and knowing both courses and their history pretty well, and Brendan touched on it in terms of personal identity with the golf club you belong to, and people who were members of, of Royal Auckland had a higher status than social status, uh, certainly than members of the Grange. So if I'm a member of the Grange, uh, uh, and hypothetically, did they see the merger as a lifting of their status equal to what was Royal Auckland? Or, in other words, what was in it for the Grange to, to sell the members there? How did, that, how did that work? The concept of a merger of equals, was uh, Tom, was very much talked about. Um, and if you think about uh, the golf courses, for example, and, and this is a fact, and uh, you know, Chris Cochran has often talked about it. The Grange land was more appealing in a golf architectural sense than, than Middlemore was. The topography was more interesting, the movement and and what the what physical uh, attributes were there uh, made made for a great golf course. Um Auckland was a great Parklands golf course, incredibly beautifully manicured. Uh, but flat and um, and and what was really interesting, I always remember the first time Chris Cochran came out and I literally took him out. Uh, was he in a from cart. Nicholas Golf? Yes, yeah, in a car. And we we drove the golf course and we were only out there for thirty five forty minutes. And he said to me, he said, Warwick, do you realise that nine of your par fours are within the same, uh, pretty much within the same distance, tee to green? And I went, no, I hadn't thought about that like that. And he said, do you know what that means? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you're hitting the same club all the time. And he said, it's boring. And he was quite brutal in that first meeting mm. about, you know, yeah. it was good observ- beautiful, but it was Good boring. observation, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, and so, you know, his... his his, uh, you know, his his challenge to us was that golf should be interesting. It should be strategically challenging. It should be a great members course. Like it can't be uh, brutal off the back tees, and that's all you play. You should have, you know, and and you'll see that, Brennan. Here you'll see there's multiple tee positions mm, um, mm. that allows, uh, you know, for me to play on the green course, you know, rather than the blue course. Mm. So I can play a golf. A golf that, of course, that's uh, it's eternally interesting. So it's not the same every time I come out. Uh, 
and strategic, it's it's challenging me. So, so well, how, what, what, why did you settle for Nicholas? I mean, I suppose that answers itself. Uh, every, yeah. any, anyone would like Jack Nicholas to design the golf club or his company to design the golf club, but um, why yeah, do why a good do, question, uh, you know, because you know, there are some great designers in New Zealand as well. Uh, you know, I think Greg Turner's work has been good and, and, and um, uh, and so why would you go for an international versus, mm. you know, somebody like uh, a Greg Turner or, in fact, a, a Philip Tuffray? Uh You know, it came down to, uh, in terms of an evaluation, they, they wanted the international credibility, I suppose, of a, 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 a recognised company worldwide. Nicholas ticked all of those boxes. Chris Cochran had been with Nicholas for, uh, I think, something like 40 years. But the great thing about Chris was that we knew he'd done work in this uh, part of the hemisphere. Uh, so, he, you know, he was in, intimately involved with Kinlock. I, I, I'm not sure if you've played Kinlock. I mm, think it's sure. fabulous layout. Um, uh, he, he also was very much involved with the Australians. So they had two very strong reference, reference points for his work uh, in the southern hemisphere and in, in our part of the world. And agronomy is different, you know. It is. Um, it's different uh, in terms of what you get in Scotland to what you get in, you know, in, uh, you know, in North America to what you get in the sandbelt in Melbourne, where I've just come from, to to what you have in New Zealand. So, um, you know, the evaluation was. Uh, I mean, I, I know they looked at other companies. Core Crenshaw, they would have loved to have. Uh, at that time, they weren't doing work in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, Tom Doak, for example, has done a lot of work in in Australia uh, and also you know, famously at Taridi. I mean, there's some remarkably good architects, but uh, depending on how much work they've got going on globally depends on, on yeah. where you can get them. Gil, you... Gil Hands is another you know, yeah. fantastic uh, Real. architect. Yeah. Uh, uh, did Rio? Uh, he's going to transform Royal Sydney. Um, uh, well, when Chris, so, you know, there was there was plenty in that, if you like, in that initial round. But um, the, the the decision around Nicholas came through was yes, they had the capability because they were a big architectural firm. Uh, yes, we liked the work. Let's say we like Doak's work as much as we like, uh, you know, Gil Hans and Paul Crenshaw. Yeah, uh, but uh, Chris Cochran. Uh, uh, and that team won, I think, because they they were proven in New Zealand. Uh, and it comes, you know, it's not just about the architect. It comes, the whole package is about the shapers. That's where the real magic is. Yeah, and, if I can ask and, on that point, work when you take four golf holes that are all par fours and much the same, what do you do to make them more interesting from his point of view? Yeah, so um, you know that that might be risk and reward. So it might be, you know, it might be um, uh, the the challenge of having a go. It might be heroic carry. Uh, it it might be that it gives you options around, uh, you know, how to play this hole strategically. Um, but generally, it's it's around uh, it's it's generally around risk and reward. So um, you know, what factors are in play? What's the prevailing wind? What are the slopes? Um, you, you know what what's happening in terms of the physical nature of the the hole, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and where where do you place the the hazards? And you know, he's a great believer of you, you should see bunkers. You know, you should 
that they should come very much, you know, there shouldn't be anything hidden in that regard. They should be very much at the forefront of, you know, tactically, what am I going to do off this team? And, you know, I think about uh, some of the par fives that I've played in New Zealand and, you know, quite often you stand on the tee, you, you grab a driver, you hit it as hard as you can, you go to the next shot and you hit it as hard as you can to get the closest to the hole. The, the Cochrane courses don't allow you to do that. You have to think about where strategically you're going to place every shot. Even a second shot into a par five, you know, he'll make you choose one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, and so it's interesting, uh, you know, you can be a member and, you know, you can play 50 times uh, and it, it, it's a, you know, there's this... Still this, got a decision to make. Yeah, yeah. and in it's fact, interesting. Uh, it's strategically challenging. Yeah. And it's, it's, there is one of your holes there, Chris. I can't remember which one it is now. It is a par five. And when I was playing uh, out there a few weeks ago with one of your members, he said to me, oh, look, you can have a real um, thrashing with the driver here. You've got this big, wide open fairway, so you can go for it. But I warn you now, this was Colin, my playing partner and a member there, telling yeah. me, he said, be very careful, though, because the second shot here is just can be terrifying. There's a bank down there and there's bunkers that you can't see and the mm. pin is in a tight place. And it was just exactly what you were talking about, that he gave you options on the tee, the club yes, golfer, but boy, yeah. did he test your ability with your second shot. Yes, and if you think about um, the great architects, you know, they talk about that era of the McKenzie, uh, you know, the, it was mm-hmm. always about the angle into the green and, and challenging you around the thinking about what what that would be. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and Chris, you know, he has, he has his own design principles, but, um, you know, he, he was true to his word. He, he wanted... He wanted every hole to be memorable. Uh, he didn't want the sameness that we had at Royal Auckland in terms of, you know, drive a 9-iron or if you're a mm. Ryan Fox driver, gap wedge. Um, uh, you know, he, he wanted you to use every club in the bag. He wanted you to, to plot your, to think your way around the golf course as opposed to just to hit. Yeah, work to do all of that that you're describing and what Brendan was just mentioning about a par five. Uh, did it involve a lot of earthworks, earth moving? Is that the yes, right expression? Yeah. yeah so, uh, and that's uh, you know coming back to my point. That's the magic of the shapers, the the people that are actually doing the the, the earth works. Uh, you know. The, you you want it so that it fits in with the land. You know you don't want it to look um, not natural, but you, you do want to be able to um, to to carve what is a you know essentially a piece of art, a masterpiece of of a golf hole, and then a, a collection that makes up a great golf course. Uh, so the the earthworks. Um, uh, yeah, it was there, there was a lot of time and effort that went into that, and one of the issues around uh, the development here was the shapers are Americans, and um, you know with COVID they 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 were they're locked out. Uh, you know they're in America, and mm, same sure. with Chris, he hasn't been back tragically for, for probably two years. Um, mm, right. So right. yeah, it's, uh, yeah that the. the the earth moving or the earthworks and their parlance, the shaping is, is the magic. Chris, on, on another point here, I mean, uh, you were the client and you were paying out, I imagine, millions of dollars to yeah, have, I'm this, wondering what it have, have, cost, have this 
company to build this golf course. Was it appropriate for you or were you able to say to Nicholas Design or to Chris Cochran, look, just a couple of things, uh, Chris. Um, Our members like wide open fairways when they stand on the tee. They don't like a lot of water. They don't like playing over water. So were you able to put any input yourself into the design or was that completely inappropriate for you to start telling Chris Cochran what you want? No, I mean... I mean, you know, um, depends on the designer. Chris is a very collaborative worker, so you know there were members that um, uh, uh, that, that put a lot of input into the whole. Uh, I have this belief, though, you know, it's a bit like a house architect. I mean, they are the experts. You, you've engaged them for that very reason, mm. Uh, mm. you know. And, and Chris is—he's got this famous line where, you know, he doesn't want you to make any changes. To the golf course for at least, you know, he wants this, the the golf course to bed down and 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 people to play it for at least twelve months before they start, you know, tweaking. But there are there are tweaks that you make to a golf course. Um, you know, even the famous Royal Melbourne, which Mackenzie designed, you know, hundred years ago. Um, you know, the the changes to some of the fairway lines mm. and the bunkers and things are made because members, uh, you know, uh, actively in that. And it's the members' course in the end. You know, it's it's not a not a Jack Nicholas owned uh, facility. Uh, it, it, the members are, you know, it's their place, it's their uh, sanctuary. Yeah, right. So he, Chris worked with with you know, and I can imagine architects hate working with committees, but he worked very well with what was called the project control group. Uh, and um, you know, he he. he He's very clear communicator about his design principles. Um, he's it's a genius. He's got an amazing memory. You know, when he literally uh, that forty minute drive in the golf cart, and he was able to 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 talk to me about each of those holes, about layout and things. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I struggled to remember <laughs> last week, and and he was able to to memorize a whole eighteen hole golf course in terms of a forty minute drive. Uh, and then, you know, what changes he would do. Yeah, so, on that note, uh, Warwick, and you're talking about changes. Yeah. You're talking about changes and tweaking. Is the work done? Is it 100%? Uh, his work is, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the growing, which is the, uh, the, the the final piece, if you like, in terms of the turf and establishing the bunkers, um, we've got 18 holes open. Uh, and the last nine, the middle more nine, as we call it, opens on the 1st of February. So almost. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, just a couple of observations. Uh, as an ordinary uh, club golfer, uh, Warwick, is what I liked about it is that as I am, you know, getting on in years and don't hit the ball as far, I did like the idea, and I have this memory now when I think back to that one round of golf I played there, of all these wide open fairways that greeted me when I was on the tee. And I, I can remember reading. Um, that famous book uh, by Mackenzie, The Spirit of St. Andrews, which is where yeah. he basically laid out his golfing philosophy. And he says, the club golfer is the person you've got to bear in mind when you're designing a golf club. It's the club golfer that keeps the club going, pays their fees every month, every year. And so they want to be able to take the driver out of their bag and have a good, decent larrap at the ball, which means giving them room. <laughs> yeah. And 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 Cochrane's done that, hasn't he, from my memory, from, from what I recall. Yeah, so- I think so. I mean, you're, you're referencing the 13 principles from, from Alice McKenzie, and, and, you know, they hold true. You know, you, you, 
one of the principles, which is where some of the, the, the alterations have come, have been around, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily lose golf balls. You know, you don't want uh, uh, to be too penal in terms mm. of uh, mm. some of the roughs. And, and we certainly, you know, that was some of the feedback that the, uh, I did a survey coming in. Uh, and, and so, you know, there, there was... Not many, but there were some areas that we needed to make sure that the rough wasn't too brutal or too penal. Um, because you had a great shot and you lose a golf ball, that mm. shouldn't be like that. Mm. You know? uh, if you had a terrible shot uh, yeah. out of the mangroves, then yes, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. different. Yeah. Well, that means that Brendan's tee shot of 180 <laughs> yards then is just perfect, <laughs> see? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, I wonder, you mentioned the clubhouse. I'm really curious how different it is from what was at the Grange and what was at... Uh, Royal Auckland, and how different is it, and uh, who was the architect? Yeah, so Patterson was the architect. Oh, yeah, there uh, you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you know his work, you'll I do, you'll the understand. hills. Mm. Yes, yeah. Uh, so the uh, the Royal Auckland Clubhouse um, was a very traditional mm. um old building that was 100 years old. Um, I, I loved it. Uh, I thought um, it was extraordinarily good. The clubhouse at the Grange, um, I've worked in both, by the way, um, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, it, it was um, one of these buildings that had been done in the, in the early or late 1990s, early 2000s. It was a, uh, unfortunately a leaky building, um, and it was uh, just of that design in that era. Um mm. Uh, I always imagined that they would move the the Royal Auckland Clubhouse um, because it, it had this presence. Um, it was uh, it was it wasn't it wasn't. Uh, I'm trying to explain this. It wasn't overtly grand, but it had this this grandeur about it, um, and it, it it really fitted in nicely with that golf club. Uh, and I always imagined it would be the ancestral home, if you like. But cleverly, the people involved um, worked out that you know it 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 might have been the ancestral home of Royal Auckland, but it wasn't of the merged clubs. And so they strategically they made a decision to build something for the future uh, uh, that's you know uh, a lot greener in terms of sustainability, but also. Uh, re- was representative of both clubs looking forward as opposed to you know mm. holding on to the history mm-hmm. of one club sure. versus the other. One other striking feature about your complex out there, Warwick, uh, which we must talk about, is this utterly remarkable uh, practice putting green that you've got in front of this very elegant, elegant yes. uh, clubhouse. I mean, I've never seen anything like that in a golf course anywhere in the Why world. Um, it's the size, for f- first of all, and I, I understand from what I was hearing out there a few weeks ago that some of the uh, the older patrons now prefer just to come along and have 18 holes on the putting <laughs> practice putting green. Yeah, so uh, uh, it is remarkable. It's a be- it is a beautiful feature. Um, the It's uh, I, I worked uh, in Melbourne uh, for the last six years. Um, Peninsula Kingswood, which is another merger, has possibly similar style of, of uh, facility in terms of they have a lot of uh, practice putting greens. So, so was this was this was this Chris Cochrane's was this Chris Cochrane's Chris Cochrane's yes. work? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm. So I've never seen a facility that has that uh, not just a practice putting green, but the short game area. Uh, Tom is, you know, it's three chipping greens. It's uh, it's another practice putting green. 
uh, that's about to open to the members uh, in the next two weeks. Um, it's right by the clubhouse mm. uh, and, and what we call Logan's Run, after, uh, which is the big practice putting green. It's not a Himalaya green, not like St Andrew's, Tom, but um, it's it's not far away. It's it's a huge amount of fun, and we, we actually have a thing called the Putting Society that uh, they literally... Uh, uh, Compete on that putting green. That's a good um, idea. And enjoy it. Has, yeah, has, it's, has it's, anyone it's right by the clippers? Yeah. Has anyone got round in thirty six strokes or less? Uh, not me. In fact, <laughs> I, I I lost badly to to my director of golf the other day, uh, and I was uh, you know eight over uh, in terms of two putts mm. per hole. Mm. Uh, but, but there are some. I mean, certainly the. Uh, the you know, it takes a bit of getting used to. That's for sure. That's exactly. Some, yeah. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I, well, Brendan has seen the facility. I have have not because I'm on the injured reserve list for the bad <laughs> knee. However, if somebody wanted to roll up and play, are there daily green fees, or is a membership required, or just it's a, you, you come as a member's guest, which is exactly go. what yeah. Brendan's mm-hmm. done. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is a private members club in in that regard, um, and it. The, the, well, it's, it's not an issue. It's a great thing in golf at the moment. Um, you know, golf is exploding as a sport. Mm, sure. Um, but what that means is, is it's you know we've got a lot of people, a lot of members playing a lot of golf, which is great. Um, uh, but it's very difficult getting on. Yeah, I was going to say you have a waiting list for your membership. Then yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. So, Warwick, with this wonderful facility that you've got, uh, I think I mentioned to you when I spoke to you out at your club there that uh, I'd love to see some really big tournaments there. I mean, the New Zealand Open, I I know John Hart and his team have done this fantastic job with their help and uh, support of the business community in Queenstown, and it seems like that the New Zealand Open will be there for some time to come. Do you have any plans to kind of host international tournaments of any description there? Uh, I, I would love to do a President's Cup, um, which is the penultimate event, I think, in terms of um, tournaments. Um, Melbourne's done three of them. Um, in terms of the infrastructure, we could do that. Um, the have you had any talks? Greatest... Have you had any talks with anyone? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we work closely with the PGA Tour in Melbourne, and and um, you know, I've kept in touch with those people. Now that that um, you know, the planning for that is is a long way out. I mean, the first possible cup we could get in New Zealand is twenty twenty eight. It obviously goes um, America. It's not far Uh, away, though. No, no, when you consider Brisbane talking the Olympics, you know. Yeah, it would be fantastic. Um, You know, um, the other great tournament, which is not a professional tournament, actually, is is the Asia-Pacific Amateur, Mm. uh, and Royal Wellington did that and did a great job. I went to that tournament, uh, uh, and and I think that's a fabulous event because you, you, you actually get... To see the, the the future, you know, you literally, you know, mm. Hideki won that tournament. Um, you know, you see the stars of, of, and literally, they're going to be stars in the next five years. You, you actually see them, you walk with them, uh, and, and I think that's a great tournament. I'd love to do that as well. Uh, but <laughs> you know, we're primarily for mostly a, a private members club, and so. Uh, to, to do something as big as the President's Cup, you know, requires the members giving yeah. up the course. And, mm-hmm. uh, For some time. And, and while it, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big build and 
Uh, Mind you, with, with, with 27 holes fun. with 27 holes out there, you do have a bit of wiggle room, don't you, for things like this? Yes, I mean, you do, yeah. Do you, have any, yeah do, you, do you have any plans to expand it eventually to 18-hole courses? No, there's not enough uh, land available. I mean, one of the issues with, uh, which is interesting, uh, you know, if you looked at uh, the Grange uh, Great Golf Course, but on literally on 46 hectares of land, uh, and you go back to, um, you know, if you're building a, a new 18-hole golf course now, most of the architects will say, well, you need 75 hectares to start with because wow. they, they need, yeah. yeah, it's just about mm. safety, it's about the ball, you know, the technology, everything going that much further. further. Yeah, uh, you need bigger, more land. You need bigger tracks of land. And, mm. um, you know, we, we've got uh, 93 hectares, I think it is here. So um, the 27 holes, the decision around 27 holes is, is because of that. So. Mm. Very good. Yeah, it makes sense. Anyway, Warwick, yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry. carry on, Warwick. Yes, you know there are some great golf courses in the world on smaller, you know, small blocks. Uh, Kingston Heath is on, you know, fifty-five hectares. Uh, so, you know, you can do it. Uh, that's the genius of an architect, I think. So. Mm, for sure. Well, we're right, it's been very fascinating indeed. Yeah, thank to this you. extraordinary project, very far-sighted uh, in its uh, concept, and I'm very pleased that it has been so successful, uh, and it's a great asset to the uh, golfing fabric of this country to have a course of that nature. Yes, you could absolutely hold the uh, uh, President's Cup. I was going to say the Ryder Cup, but that probably won't come down this way for you a know, while. I, I, but, think, um, uh, Brennan, uh, I, I think she would see the Ryder Cup. Yeah. No. I, I think uh, just to comment, work to Brendan. I think I could take you down on that putting green. <laughs> uh, you wait. You wait till you see it. I doubt it. You're, but, you're most welcome, Tom. But uh, yeah, you'd easily get me. I can tell you. <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a fabulous facility you have out there, and you should all be very proud of it. And I thank you very much indeed for your time right. today, Warwick. That's Good our stuff. guest today, Warwick Hill Rennie, the CEO of the Royal Auckland Grange Golf Club. And Warwick, we thank you very much indeed for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Warwick. We'll be back again in a fortnight's time with uh, more from On The Tee. In the meantime, our thanks to JK's World of Golf out there at Auckland International Airport and the Akarana Golf Club, our friends who helped bring this podcast to you. You've been listening to On The Tee, Golf New Zealand podcast, hosted by Tom Hyde and Brendan Telfer, proudly presented by Podcasts New Zealand and Gorilla Voice Media. You can find us online at podcasts.nz.